Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. New Extra Charge Hot and Iced Coffee from Dunkin' is made with 20% extra caffeine from green coffee extract because we could all use a little extra this year. Whether that's an extra boost, some extra boldness, or the drive to go the extra mile. We're extra ready for whatever comes our way and extra excited to take it on. Let's get it done with a medium extra charged coffee from Dunkin' for $2 with 20% more caffeine. And pair it with snackable stuffed bagel minis for an added all-day boost. Order ahead on the Dunkin' app. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. New extra charged hot and iced coffee from Dunkin' is made with 20% extra caffeine from green coffee extract because we could all use a little extra this year. Whether that's an extra boost, some extra boldness, or the drive to go the extra mile. We're extra ready for whatever comes our way and extra excited to take it on. Let's get it done with a medium extra charged coffee from Dunkin' for $2 with 20% more caffeine. And pair it with snackable stuffed bagel minis for an added all-day boost. Order ahead on the Dunkin' app. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ghost of the Night, a Hauntings and Paranormal Podcast. I am Phil Sams. Thank you for taking the time to watch this episode. Welcome if you're new and if you're a long-time listener, or I should say long-time, but if you've listened to this podcast from the beginning or wherever you've picked it up at, thank you so much for continuing your support. I hope you enjoy it. Today, we are going to talk about smudging. If you are familiar with the paranormal world, or you just watch the shows or whatever, you have been introduced to smudging. And I want to talk about what it is. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? That's what we're going to talk about. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. So, what is smudging? Now, historically, smudging is basically the burning of sacred herbs or most common, most people are familiar with burning of sage from, you know, paranormal shows or if they are paranormal investigators, I'm sure they've been on a team that has been burning sage to smudge a home, smudge themselves or what have you. But it really comes from, it was real popular with the indigenous people of the Americas. They used it to cleanse themselves. The Native Americans also used it to bless their homes or whatever they happened to reside in, their lands. But basically, it was used in a ceremonial purpose to enhance themselves, their lives, their surroundings. And somewhere along the way, it got, it morphed into getting rid of evil or bad spirits. And that is where we come to today. Smudging is all about cleansing an area. Techniques for smudging are really wide range depending on your location and the team you're a part of or just the individual itself. And I might get into a little bit of that later on in this episode. But if you're a paranormal investigator, you've been a part of smudging. And what I want to talk about at some point here in this episode is my personal thoughts on smudging. And I will get to that in a minute. 
because I firmly believe that we put the power into the smudging or whatever ceremony you do to protect yourself. If you envision yourself in a ball of light to get protection from the spirit so you don't get an attachment or a darker spirit doesn't attack you in some way, shape, or form, whether it be physically or mentally, most often mentally. But that is really on a personal basis, and it's a case-by-case basis, and do people really need to smudge? And me being a part of a paranormal team, I go out on a lot of investigations. I've done some private investigations, and some of the members are very high on smudging, and they want that protection. They feel they need that protection, and that's great. If they that's what they feel, if that's what they believe, who am I to say otherwise? I'm not pro and I'm not con if I'm being totally honest. And we will get to that here in a little bit. But all in all, it doesn't really matter where smudging began, who first did it. It's in our culture. It's been in our culture and people have used it for centuries. So what do I really believe? Let's just go ahead and get into it and talk about what my personal belief is. And I'll start by telling a little bit of a story and we'll go and I'll kind of build from there. Now, I recently was on a private investigation at a residential home. Uh, the team was called in. Um, they, the children were having some experiences. The mother was having some experiences. So they wanted an investigation done. And naturally, we, we did the investigation and the team... Not not myself for, per se, but the team did offer to smudge location to actually help rid this family of the activity that they were experiencing. I personally come into a, any investigation or any paranormal situation, I try to find the rational explanation for what I'm experiencing or that person is, is experiencing. I come, I preached on this podcast about debunk first mentality. Prove it's not something of natural causes, and then you can move further down the paranormal chain. So that, when I come into an investigation, whether it be just a, investigating a haunted location with reports of activity or a private, personal, residential type investigation, I, my approach is the same. I try not to make judgments either way, whether I don't want to come into an investigation thinking the place is haunted, and I don't want to also come into an investigation saying this person's full of shit. I'm not setting out to debunk them. I'm setting out to find some answers and try to funnel all the information that I get down into a nice point and come up with a conclusion and go from there. So that is what how I approach an investigation. Now, not everybody is the same as me. Some Everybody has a different approach. There are some people that are full-blown believers, and no matter what you say, there is going to be a spirit or a demon or an evil entity behind whatever they're experiencing. That's fine. That is their belief. Who am I to knock their belief? But with my approach, I approach this location with my debunk first mentality, and naturally I started looking for natural causes for the children seeing apparitions, hearing disembodied voices, the just general feeling of eeriness in the home. 
So naturally, we break out um, K2 meters and stuff to measure the electromagnetic field in the house because we all know that EMF can cause those symptoms. You can get that feeling of paranoia. You can, it affects you in ways, paranormal type ways. So you have to rule out those first. Now, the child did not want to sleep in her bed. She had been sleeping in the parent's bed because she was uncomfortable. She felt, did not feel safe in her own bed. So my first inclination is, okay, let's get, like I said, find out some EMF, take some measurements, figure out what's going on there. And what I found was the EM, the fuse box was right outside in the, her room came up against the laundry room and the fuse box was on the same wall as the wall her bed was on just in the other room. So naturally you take a K2 meter and it was spiking on both sides of the wall. So that is one plausible reason why she did not feel comfortable in her bed. Now, and just to be play devil's advocate, it was a little higher. Naturally, fuse boxes are midway on the wall and this bed was down a little further. So laying in the bed, the at bed level, the reading was not as high or very, very minimal compared to you go up a few feet right where the fuse box is. It was spiking off the charts. Maybe when the child walks to her bed, she starts feeling that sense of anxiety, that sense of dread. Her body is reacting to that EMF and she in turn does not want to actually sleep in the bed. That's a very possible scenario and I can't rule that out. That's not a spirit interaction, but it's a possible natural cause for the reason she did not want to sleep in that bed. So I inform the client of that, you know, because they need all the information. If I walk in there, find this out, but I play the supernatural card and push that onto them, that's not helping anybody. They need all the information. They need both sides of the coin. So it very well be could be a spirit and it just could be a coincidence that there's a high MF and the child doesn't want to be there. I'm not saying either way, but if I had to place my hard-earned money on it, I'm going to say she was feeling EMF and reacting to the EMF. Now, that doesn't explain some of the other activity reported in the kitchen area, which I would expect to have a little bit of EMF, just for the mere fact, you know, all the appliances, the refrigerator and such. Um, But the readings in that location were low. There was another spike by the natural... TV with the cable box and modem and all that stuff, but that area did not have a lot of activity reported. So, you know, that is one plausible cause, and I informed the family of that. So, I have to look at that. Now, also with seeing apparitions and stuff like that, seeing shadow people, the only one thing I didn't check, but I believe I did, I'm pretty sure I told them, you might want to get a carbon monoxide detector. I did not have one on me at the time, I was an idiot. But I said carbon monoxide can also give you that sensation of paranormal activity if the levels are high. Not only that, it's deadly. So you might want to get that checked out. Infrasound can also have the same effects, but there was no mechanical. I don't think it was. there was any kind of infrasound issue. I, I couldn't get any good readings, so I don't think that's the issue because it was tucked away. There was a 
road off to the side, but there was no mechanical, no fans, no businesses around that could be producing that low frequency that can also give people the feeling of paranoia or any kind of paranormal activity. Now, that was my take on the situation. I personally did not get a lot of feelings there. I did notice one room was a little colder than the other room, but upon looking at the structure, the surroundings around it, there is a tree right there, and when we were there in the evening, so the sun was setting, we were there, you know, through, got there in the day, sunset, and we stayed there a little bit, I think we left around 9, 10 o'clock, but I noticed this 10, 15 degree temperature difference from room to room, from one child's room to another child's room. Now, this the cooler room had a big tree outside the window. Now, that could very well be, you know, that tree causing shade, breaking up the direct sunlight, could cause a temperature drop. I mean, 10, 15 degrees might be, you know, 15 degrees is pushing it. 5, 10 would be, I would expect. So I can't rule out, I can't say that, was paranormal and I informed them of this as well and actually they had a relative there we even talked about this he said yes that's pretty much we've noticed that too and boom you know so this this is forming this is all taking evidence to form an opinion now even between team members and I you know we have different opinions on this location I'm not saying there was not any paranormal activity there very well could have been but was it dangerous was it harmful in any way. I don't think so. If there was paranormal activity there, then it was more of the playful or spirit guardian type activity. Pretty much the uh, investigation wrapped up. Naturally, the team, there was a team member, they offered up the smudging aspect of the evening and asked them if they wanted us to take part in the smudging or if they wanted to take part and have us do a smudging ceremony, whatever you want to call it. And they said yes, so they performed the smudging ceremony. Now, I did not partake in it. I had another issue arise, and I was out doing something else on the location. Um, But we did that. Now, this was several weeks ago. I recently talked to somebody on the team, and we were talking about the investigation, and I asked, you know, have you talked to the that client? And they said yes. And I said, well, what is the activity stopped? She said, yes, since we left, there has been no activity. Um, the kids don't see any aberrations. They're not hearing disembodied voices. They're all sleeping in the room. So that's great. That is what the goal was, to give this family some closure, or not some closure, but some peace of mind so that they are safe in their home, in their environment, and they can go about their lives. Now, was this because of the smudging? Was this because of the, not scientific, but the more rational or natural reasons that I relayed to them? And I kind of get, I think a great team, you need both. You need true believers, you need skeptics, and you need people in the middle. You need a mixture of all, because if we all have 100% continuity and believe exactly the same thing, it sparks no debate, it sparks no change, you know, because I'm open-minded. I can be. You can convince me of anything. You make a strong enough argument, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on the smudging. 
because there is definite things that, or definite people that believe smudging actually aggravates spirits in the spirit world and can cause more damage than, or cause more harm than good. And some people live and die by smudging. Bottom line is, for this particular family, it worked. Now, was this a placebo effect? We smudged it and got rid of it? I don't know. That is the million-dollar question. But honestly, if I'm giving my complete and honest opinion, my thoughts on it, it doesn't freaking matter whether or not the smudging was effective or just the collective energy of everybody in the ceremony, positive energy, pushed the spirits out, or there was no spirits to begin with. It was all natural, all EMF-related natural causes. It doesn't matter. As long as that family has some peace of mind, then job done. Who's right doesn't matter. The job is family was, was experiencing something. They're not experiencing something now. And the mother was no stranger to the paranormal. She had had experiences from childhood, you know, not overwhelming, but you know, naturally as a parent, she was more concerned about the welfare and mindset of her children. So she wanted some answers. So that is what we did. We provided them with some answers and we went from there and it worked. So it doesn't matter whether or not the smudging is what drove out the spirits. Rational thinking counteracted the paranormal activity or just the collective energy of the people in the, at the investigation had a positive effect on the atmosphere of the home. Does not matter. Whatever floats your boat, job done. And that is my real take on smudging. I'm not for, I'm not against it. If that's what you need to get your peace of mind, by all means, great, do it. But if you don't believe in smudging, then it's okay. Find something that works for you. I've said it before, but our minds is much stronger, much more complex than what we even know. And it's much capable of much more strength or whatever the words not coming to me right now, but it's capable more of what we, than what we use it for. So the power of positive thinking, visualization, that energy you project when you do that kind of stuff can change your perception, can change your reality, can change the situation in a bad situation. So the more positive you are, the better off you are. And that energy can possibly draw out a spirit or give that spirit some closure, whatever, but it can cause the activity to decrease. And that's job number one. So I'm not for it. I'm not against it. I'd have no problems with it either way. I won't sit here and say, hey, you're wasting your time. It doesn't do shit. I'm not going to say that to somebody because that's affecting their belief system. If they believe in it, by all means, let them do it. And if I'm being totally honest, if I'm with a person that believes in smudging, believes in that type of solution to a paranormal problem, and say I'm on a solo investigation, I'm with somebody, I do an investigation, I do feel that there is some paranormal activity, and they want the house smudged, hey, I'm going to do it. I don't have 100% faith in it, but I'm giving them peace of mind. But when I'm doing it, I'm going to be as positive, and I'm going to put forth as much positive energy and positive effort as I can to help them 
come help them in their situation. Now, because if I just go, whatever, you know, do all that shit, just go through the motions, the person's going to pick it up on it. It's not going to have the same effect, whether even if it is a placebo type situation, they're not going to buy into it. Or if you're half-assing it, it's not going to work. So I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Now let's kind of talk about actual the smudging ceremonies. And I'll kind of go over the smudging ceremonies and talk about that a little bit. That, that way you have a clear picture. If you're not that familiar with smudging, that way you know exactly what we're talking about. Now, before we talk about the smudging ceremony or ritual to cleanse a location, you have to keep in mind there, if you look, search Google search this on the internet, you will find a million different ways a million different techniques. I'm not going to say there is only one way to do it. Like I said earlier, this is more about you, your mindset, and your intent when you are actually performing this, what is called a ritual, the smudging ritual to cleanse the location of the negativity or the negative energy. So you'll, you can search this and you will find a million different things. So I'm just going to go by what I've seen and what I've kind of research and kind of give an overall general concept of the actual ceremony. So don't be, do not send me all your, oh, that's not how it's done. There's a million different ways. So this is a version and it is one way. And we'll kind of talk a little bit more of that at the end. But so this is basically what I've seen and what I've heard through my experiences. Now, when you start the ritual, you need to start with yourself you need to cleanse yourself. You need to get rid of the negativity in your own mind, your own spirit, before you move on to the location. So basically, you start by lighting the herb, say whether it's sage or which version of sage you use. You light it, and you start with yourself. You start, basically, the easiest way to describe it is you work top to bottom. So you start at your head, and you work your way down to your feet, letting the smoke surround yourself, and you deeply breathe in and focus, almost a form of meditation. You're clearing your mind as well as clearing the negativity from your person. So you want to focus in, you want to hone in, you want to get in the zone, you want to be mentally strong, you want to be mentally aware of what you're doing, driving out all the negativity in your body and mind. Then once this is done, now you can do prayer. There's different versions of prayer you can use. Bottom line, like I said earlier, you use whatever is important to you, whatever you find strength in, whatever you find power in. That is most important. It has to be symbolic to you as the person doing the ritual. So now that you've cleansed yourself, now it's time to start with the location or the house or the room or whatever you are smudging at that time. And this is where it kind of gets a little bit fuzzy on technique wise. Um, basically, like I said, smudging is to drive out the evil or dark spirits or dark energy is really honestly what it is, the dark energy. So you want to start in one location. Now, a lot of people think you need to you know, you're driving it out, so you need to close it all off to, 
and drive it out of one particular spot, say front door or a certain window or whatever, and you need to start there. And you work your way around whether it can be clockwise, it can be counterclockwise. That honestly is, I think, personal preference. Like I said, I'm not a complete and total expert because I don't put a large amount of stock into it personally, but you know, I'm trying to cover all the bases. I personally would probably like the counterclockwise version, but you start at the beginning and you work your way around or move around the location, hit every nook and cranny, hit every room, and each room you do, you do the same way you start, and you start and then work in the same direction, working whatever is in a separate room, you're pushing it back out the door, and you just keep moving around the whole location and work the whole, you work the whole location, basically. Now, a lot of people in today's paranormal field or in society, they, you know, just wave the smoke with their hand. Historically, you know, the shamans of the Native Americans used some kind of feather, whether it was an eagle feather or what have you. Um, that, honestly, I'm, I, I'm torn on this, whether that would be important or not. I would think, personally, you'd want to be as true to the origins and the ceremonies beginning as much as possible, so probably use some sort of feather. I mean, just waving around with your hand probably is half-assing a little bit, and I don't think half-assing is really the best way to do it. But like I said, this is all mental. This is all for whether this is actually working or not is very debatable, but I think the power in it is in the power of the belief of the person doing it or performing the ritual. That is where the power lies. So I'm torn. I'm in flux whether or not it's important or not important to use a feather. That is up to you or the person doing the actual ritual. If you want to comment, let me know what you think. I mean, but don't come at me like I'm an idiot. I don't know. And I honestly don't think anybody truly knows which way is better. Part, Like I said, part of me wants to be more of a traditionalist. And if that's the way the shamans did it in the past, then you just stick with that. But I'm also, with my modern way of thinking is, I think the power really lies in your mind and in your belief. So, I don't know. Let me know what you think. But anyway, you continue to work around the home, the location, in that manner until you get back to where you started. Now, the whole time you're doing some sort of prayer, the white prayer or what what have you, you're praying basically you're in a meditative state almost to focus yourself, drive, you're trying to bring positive energy. And that honestly, I think is what really the key is, whether whatever you're doing with your prayer, whichever prayer you choose to use, it's about positivity. It's about focusing your mind. It's about projecting or pushing out the positive energy through your thoughts, in my opinion. And that is what really truly repels the negative or dark energy. So you move around, like I've said a hundred times, I'm kind of repeating myself, but that's okay, until you get back to where you started. And in theory, I guess once the room and the home or location is completely engulfed in this smoke, essentially, of the sage or the herb that you are using, the starting point and exit point is the same, and it forces the evil out of said location. And basically, once that, you continue to do your little prayer, close it down, and move on. 
like I said, there are a million different versions to this particular, the actual correct way to do a ceremony. My personal opinion, and I've stated this, I'm pretty sure you're going to know what I'm going to say, is I don't know if it really matters. I think this might just be a placebo type thing. You are doing something to positively positively charge the area, and that positive charge is what pushes out the negative charge, like two polar ends, opposite ends of a magnet. The positive repels the negative. That's how nature is working here. So whether it's not the actual act of smudging or burning that sage, or is it just your positive energy that you are producing, you're projecting into the location or into the atmosphere is repelling the negative, that I think is really the most important thing. In my opinion, like I said, these are just my opinions. I don't know. I don't do smudging personally I because I believe in the positive energy repels the negative energy in that I focus this in on that so I don't go through all the smudging. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, whatever works for the client or the person you are trying to help, if they put stock into it, by all means, go ahead and do it. But if I'm at a location and I'm trying to protect myself, I'm not going to smudge myself to cleanse myself. I'm going to basically do the mental aspect of producing positive energy and going about it in that manner. That's my personal preference. I've, I could be wrong, but I've had pretty good luck. I've been on multiple investigations. I've lived in locations that had activity or might have had negative activity, and I seem to be all right. I'm not possessed that I know of. I guess I could be. Maybe that's the sleepwalking thing. I've been known to sleepwalk on occasion. Maybe that's this, the demon coming out. I think just positivity, positive thoughts, positive mindset is the key to this whole thing. Because there are some people that actually think that smudging actually does not do anything to remove evil spirits. And there's a school of thought that, is, that actually says that smudging a location actually will attract the, you're basically alerting the entities of a location and then you smudge the area and then there's nothing to keep them out there. It's almost like you're opening a door or opening a portal. Well, there's that word again, portal. But you're opening something in that something could come through. I don't know. I mean, I've like I said earlier, I've seen it done to where this the person has had activity after the investigation and the smudging. Nothing. Was that just, was that the smudging that actually helped in bringing forth or getting rid of the negative energy and bringing forward the positive energy? Maybe. Or was it the fact that we were there, gave them some kind of solace to in confidence that something was going to happen, they weren't alone, and that positive energy that the investigation brought helped them push out the negative and bring the activity or cease the activity from happening. That's the million-dollar question, and that is, you know, I don't know. In my way of thinking, it's always best to cover your ass and just hit it all. I don't know. That is a beautiful thing about the paranormal. I don't, there's no right or wrong answer. I, I don't think it's black and white. It's just like life. There's no black and white in life. It's more shades of gray. 
There's complex things, and there's not so complex things. Everything is shades of gray, and it's nothing that's set in stone. But if you take anything away from this episode of the podcast, I just want you to understand that I personally believe it's about positive energy pushing out the negative energy and being strong mind, having a strong positive mindset. I think that is the key. And maybe the smudging could be just a placebo effect or it actually could, there could be something to it. Or it could be a combination of both. There's something to the smudging that helps and you put that with the positive energy. Voila, there you have it. I don't know. So that is going to wrap up this episode. I, if you have any questions or you want to add to the, the subject matter of this, by all means, hit me up on Twitter or post me or tag me on Twitter at night underscore ghost and leave me a direct or a direct message. You can let me know what you think by email at GITN podcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website at ghost in, ghost in the night podcast.com. Find the, uh, show note page for this particular episode which will and it'll be the first one and leave a comment add to the conversation if you're watching on youtube be sure to leave a comment there and while you're there go ahead and subscribe like and all that happy shit um but you can add to the conversation and give your opinion and if you perform the ceremony how do you do it i'm open to all of it i don't think there's i'm not sure if there's one set defined way let me know, let the listeners know, share your expertise. You are more than welcome to do that. But don't forget to follow us on Twitter at night underscore ghost. You can follow us on Facebook at ghost in the night, Instagram ghost underscore night underscore podcast. You know, I'm on those. Those are my main social medias that I use. Um, naturally, Twitter, I'm most active on. Reach out, follow me there, but follow me on all of them. Um, don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, be sure to get a podcast t-shirt. You can do that via the website at ghostofthenightpodcast.com. There you'll see paranormal merch. Um, if you want to show your support without buying a t-shirt, or you can do both, even better, go to Patreon. You can become a patron, and that is patreon.com backslash GITN podcast. Until next week, take care, everybody. Question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. 
News 4, working for you today at 4. Bitcoin investors are making millions. So what is it? And how can you cash in? We're working for you, unraveling the mystery of this cryptocurrency. What you need to know before you buy in. Plus, Pat Lawson News, Leon Harris, and Sean Yancey catch you up on the day's biggest stories. And Storm Team 4 Chief Meteorologist Doug Kammerer helps you plan for the next 10 days. Working for you, today on News 4 at 4 on NBC4.